Yen, in defense of his cause, had set up propositions against the open abuses of the same. Marvel it was to see how soon these propositions were sparkled abroad in sundry and far places, and how greedily they were caught up in the hands of diverse, both far and near. Not long after steppeth up one Sylvester de Priero, a Dominic friar, who first began to publish abroad a certain impudent and railing dialogue against Luther, unto whom he answered out of the scriptures. Then was Martin Luther cited, the 7th of August, by one Hierome, Bishop of Ascoli, to appear at Rome, about which time Thomas Cogeton, Cardinal, the Pope's legate, was then ambassador at the city of Augsburg, who before had been sent down in commission with certain mandates from Pope Leo unto that city. The University of Wittenberg, understanding of Luther's citation, as soon directed letters to the Pope in Luther's behalf. Also, another letter they sent to Carolus Miltidius, the Pope's chamberlain, being a German-born. Furthermore, good Frederick ceased not to solicit that the cause of Luther might be freed from Rome and removed to Augsburg in the hearing of the cardinal. Cogetan, at the suit of the duke, wrote unto the pope, from whom he received this answer, that he had cited Luther to appear personally before him at Rome by Hierome, bishop of Ascoli, auditor of the chamber, which bishop diligently had done what was commanded him. But Luther, abusing and contemning the gentleness offered, did not only refuse to come, but also became more bold and stubborn, continuing or rather increasing in his former heresy, as by his writings did appear. Wherefore he would that the cardinal should cite and call up the said Luther to appear at the city of Augsburg before him, adjoining withal the aid of the princes of Germany and of the emperor, if need required, so that when the said Luther should appear, he should lay hand upon him and commit him to safe custody, and after he should be brought up to Rome. And if he perceived him to come to any knowledge or amendment of his fault, he should release him and restore him to the church again, or else he should be interdicted with all other his adherents, abettors, and maintainers of whatsoever state or condition they were, whether they were dukes, marquises, earls, or barons. Against all which persons and degrees he willed him to extend the same curse and malediction. Only the person of the emperor accepted, interdicting by the censure of the church all such lands, lordships, towns, tenements, and villages as should minister any harbor to the said Luther were not obedient unto the see of Rome. Contrariwise, to all such as showed themselves obedient, he should promise full remission of all their sins. Likewise, the Pope directed other letters also at the same time to Duke Frederick, with many grievous words complaining against Luther. The cardinal, thus being charged with injunctions from Rome, according to his commission, sendeth with all speed for Luther to appear at Augsburg before him. About the beginning of October, Martin Luther, yielding his obedience to the Church of Rome, came to Augsburg at the cardinal's sending, at the charges of the noble prince-elector, and also with his letters of commendation, where he remained three days before he came to his speech. For so it was provided by his friends that he should not enter talk with the cardinal before a sufficient warrant for safe conduct was obtained from Emperor Maximilian. This being obtained as soon as he entered, offering himself to the speech of the cardinal, and was there received of the cardinal very gently, who, according to the Pope's commandment, 
propounded unto Martin Luther three things, to wit, that he should repent and revoke his errors, that he should promise from that time forward to refrain from the same, that he should refrain from all things that might by any means trouble the church. When Martin Luther required to be informed wherein he had erred, the legate answered that he had held and taught that the merits of Christ are not the treasure of indulgences or pardons, that faith is necessary to him that receiveth the sacrament. Furthermore, Luther protested that the merits of Christ are not committed unto men, that the Pope's voice is to be heard when he speaketh agreeable to the Scriptures, that the Pope may err, and that he ought to be reprehended. Moreover, he showed that in the matter of faith, not only the general council, but also every faithful Christian is above the Pope, if he lean to better authority and reason. But the Cardinal would hear no scriptures. He disputed without scriptures. He devised glossless and expositions of his own head. Luther, being rejected from the speech and sight of the Cardinal, after six days waiting, departed by the advice of his friends and returned unto Wittenberg, leaving an appellation to the Bishop of Rome from the Cardinal, which he caused openly to be affixed before his departure. Cajetan writeth to Duke Frederick a sharp and biting letter, in which he exhorteth the Duke, that as he tendereth his own honor and safety, and regardeth the favor of the High Bishop, he will send Luther up to Rome, or expel him out of his dominions. To this letter of the cardinal the duke answereth, purging both Luther and himself. Luther, in that he, following his conscience, grounded upon the word of God, would not revoke that for an error which could be proved no error. And himself he excuseth thus, that whereas it is required of him to banish him his country, or to send him up to Rome, it would be little honesty for him so to do, and less conscience, unless he knew just cause why he should so do, which if the cardinal would or could declare unto him, there should lack nothing in him which were the part of a Christian prince to do. And therefore he desired him to be a mean unto the bishop of Rome, that innocency and truth be not oppressed before the crime or error be lawfully convicted. This done, the duke sendeth the letter of the cardinal unto Martin Luther, who answered to the prince, I am not so much grieved for my own cause, as that you should sustain for my matter any danger or peril. And therefore, seeing there is no place nor country which can keep me from the malice of mine adversaries, I am willing to depart hence, and forsake my country, whithersoever it shall please the Lord to lead me. Here, no doubt, was the cause of Luther in great danger, being now brought to this strait, that both Luther was ready to fly the country, and the duke again was as much afraid to keep him, had not the marvelous providence of God, who this matter in guiding, provided a remedy where the power of man did fail, by stirring up the whole university of Wittenberg, who, seeing the cause of truth thus to decline, with a full and general consent addressed their letters unto the prince, in defense of Luther and of his cause, making their humble suit unto him, that he, of his princely honor would not suffer innocency and the simplicity of truth so clear as is the scripture to be foiled and oppressed by mere violence of certain malignant flatterers about the pope 
by the occasion of these letters, the Duke began more seriously to consider the works of Luther, to read his works and hearken to his sermons, whereby, through God's holy working, he grew to knowledge and strength, perceiving in Luther's quarrel more than he did before. This was about the beginning of December A.D. 1518. Pope Leo, in the meantime, had sent forth new indulgences with a new edict, wherein he declared this to be the Catholic doctrine of the Holy Mother Church of Rome, prince of all other churches, that bishops of Rome, who are successors of Peter and vicars of Christ, have this power and authority given to release and dispense, also to grant indulgences available both for the living and for the dead lying in the pains of purgatory. And this doctrine he charged to be received of all faithful Christian men, under pain of the great curse and utter separation from all holy church. This popish degree and indulgence as a new merchandise or ale-stake to get money, being set up in all quarters of Christendom for the Holy Father's advantage, came also to be received in Germany about the month of December. Luther, hearing how they went about in Rome to pronounce against him, provided a certain appellation conceived in due form of law, wherein he appealeth from the Pope to the general council. When Pope Leo perceived that neither his pardons would prosper to his mind, nor that Luther could be brought to Rome, to essay how to come to his purpose by crafty allurements, he sent his chamberlain, Carolus Militidus, who was a German into Saxony, to Duke Frederick with a golden rose. After the usual ceremony accustomed every year, to be presented to him, with secret letters also to certain noblemen of the Duke's council, to solicit the Pope's cause, and to remove the Duke's mind, if it might be, from Luther. But before Militidus approached into Germany, Maximilian the Emperor deceased in the month of January, A.D. 1519. At that time, two were there who stood for the election, to wit, Francis, the French king, and Charles, king of Spain who was also Duke of Austria and Duke of Burgundy. Through the means of Frederick, Prince-Elector, who, having the offer of preferment, refused the same, the election fell to Charles, called Charles V, surnamed Prudence, which was about the end of August 